0: Hello. There we go. All right. Well, happy New Year's. Uh, I appreciate Justin and Rich uh, preaching over the last couple of weeks. Is this on? Is there not? Hello? All right. Well, I appreciate uh, Rich and Justin preaching. Uh, they did a wonderful job and inspired me. And now we're headed into a new series Uh, for the new year, a series called Hope Changes Everything. We're going to be studying the book of 1 Peter, written by the Apostle himself, and we are going to be looking at hope, because hope does change everything, and we have a living hope in Jesus Christ. How many have seen the uh, movie Selma? Anybody see that this weekend? Well, I tell you, I saw it. And it was one of the most powerful movies I have seen in a long, long time. Of course, it's a story about the Civil Rights Movement and Martin Luther King. And of course, as we know, uh, there was incredible racism going on in our country, especially in the South at that particular time. And they, they didn't have the right to vote. They legally had the right to vote, but they couldn't vote because... The people in the county office wouldn't let them. They'd always deny them uh, for some silly reason. So Martin Luther went down there, and he combined with other organizations, and they mobilized the African Americans uh, to march for their freedom to vote. And they marched, and it was a bloody Sunday. They came up against uh, this sheriff who was very racist, as well as his deputies, and uh, they attacked these African-Americans, as you might remember. And as they went across the bridge, they were beating them, and it was all on live TV. And it was for the first time that all of the United States could see how African-Americans were being treated. They were being brutalized and terrorized in their own home. Also, it's interesting to see the interplay between Lyndon B. Johnson and Martin Luther King in terms of what priorities were and, and how... Martin Luther King brought L.B.J. around, and and of course, George Wallace, oh mercy, you know, very racist, and it was just, it reminded me about how far we have come, how far we have come in treating African-Americans like we should, which is like everybody, (laughs) we're all equal, right, before God, but uh, of course, African-Americans still suffer that's why it's so important that we look at our hearts and see if there's any prejudice. We're all racist. you got to realize that, right? You we know, all have racist thoughts. We have other ethnic groups. So we need to be praying that we continue to purify our thoughts uh, if we have any prejudice against African Americans or, or other ethnic groups. And this is the one movie. Uh, I haven't done this very much before, but this is the one movie that I would encourage all of you and your teenagers see. It's been said a lot of uh, this movie should be shown in classrooms around the country and I would agree with that because that's the great thing about the genre of the movie is that it brings history to life. So I ask you to go out and see this movie and uh, there's a couple swear words in it but the most disturbing thing is is what goes on and how these people are beaten. So you'd have to judge whether your child is ready to see that type of thing, but it's a movie you have to see, either now or on DVD, but this year you have to see this movie and tell other people about it as well. I was thinking about this as I was preparing uh, for this message because we're looking at a letter that was written uh, to people who were persecuted just like the African Americans in that day. They weren't persecuted for the color of their skin, but they were persecuted because they were followers of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to be looking at this first nine verses of 1 Peter, and we're going to look at hope beyond suffering. Hope beyond suffering. Let's look at 1 Peter 1.1. 1, 1. Greetings, 1 Peter. You always want to look at who wrote the book. And we know who wrote this book, and this was 1 Peter. You know, the, the other piece broke. Yeah. Uh, of course, we know a lot about 1 Peter. We did a series recently about him. He was the bold, energetic, foot in the mouth disease leader of the disciples, always speaking up, always say, <laughs> telling people what he thought. Uh, and, of course, he got into some real snags. And, of course, eventually he denied Jesus Christ. Three times. And then, of course, Jesus Christ restored him in to leadership. And God used Peter to do amazing things as he walked into the future. So Peter was writing this, an apostle of Jesus Christ. So he's claiming his authority as an apostle, as one who has a right to write this book. To those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. So in the time of Nero, when Rome burned, you might remember, he blamed it on the Christians. And they were persecuted greatly. And many of them left Israel because they couldn't live under the persecution. So they went to these different locations as we see here, but still they were persecuted there because by that time, Christianity was not seen as a sect of Judaism. It was seen as a religion itself. And Rome was trying to wipe it out. So he, he is writing to very poor people who are being persecuted. And life is very difficult for. It's so important to keep in mind. But it's interesting. He calls them elect exiles. Elect. Exiles. So they were exiles. They were exiles in the sense that they were strangers. They didn't belong in this world. And we don't belong in this world. We belong in heaven. We're citizens of heaven. But God is having us walk through this life and building our faith and uh, being a witness uh, to others. But we're exiles. We don't belong here. We should be different from other people, right? Because we are part of the kingdom of God. So we're exiles, but he says we're elect exiles. So he's saying the reason why we're exiles. We're not exiles just because we were rejected by a group of people, but because God chose us. That's the doctrine of election. That God chose you to be a Christ follower. Isn't that amazing? He chose you to be. Now, verse 2 is one of the most powerful verses on election and understanding it. It says, According to the foreknowledge of God the Father and the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. So first of all, this is really the process of salvation. The foreknowledge of God the Father. What I believe the Bible teaches is that an eternity pass. God chose you, and if you're a Christ follower, He chose you to be His children. And He didn't choose other people. And we'll talk about that in a second. But He chose you. And just to think about that—that that God chose me an eternity pass to be one of His children, to live with Him for eternity. We're talking about your identity in Christ here. Most of the message is about your identity in Christ. And we keep coming back to this because this is what we need to hear most of. When we're out in the world, we're hearing all these messages about what our identity should be according to commercials and friends and other influences. That's why it's so important that we stay in the Word and that we get together in Bible studies, small groups, to remind ourselves that, hey, we are elect exiles. We are chosen exiles here on this earth. And we need to live uh, in that manner. So the foreknowledge of God, the Father. Now some people would interpret this that God knew ahead of time who would accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. So that's another view, Uh, but I can't see that view in Scripture as I study it. It doesn't quit. It doesn't fit uh, the rest of the verses as we read them. So we have the foreknowledge of God in election, and then the sanctification of the Spirit. That's what's happening right now, right? Salvation is a process. And I think uh, this is something we need to be reminded of. In fact, I was reminded of it this this past week as I was studying, is that we many times say, well, a person was saved. Well, salvation is going to end when we go to the final judgment and God lets us into his eternity because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. So salvation... It's a process. So you might want to say a person is being saved. A person started being saved, I guess you could say. Because the sanctification work of the Holy Spirit is when you become a Christ follower, the Holy Spirit comes within you and he starts to do some heavy work in terms of building your faith, making you more like Jesus Christ. And that will go on until the day that you die. And then for obedience to Jesus Christ and for the sprinkling with His blood. Let's referring, of course, to Christ's crucifixion. Now, that's in the future. When we get to the final judgment, uh, and we, God is going to say, you're one of my chosen, you're one of my children. You, you're covered by the, the grace of Jesus Christ. That's when salvation will be complete. So we look at this next slide, and we see how these are all tied together. The foreknowledge of God which means that's behind you. He chose you in eternity past. And the sanctifying work of the Spirit, that's in you right now. Working, encouraging, convicting, comforting, and then obedience to Jesus Christ. What lies in front of you when your salvation will be complete when you enter into eternity uh, with God? And it's interesting, this verse is so rich because it it identifies the three members of the Trinity, right? The foreknowledge of God, the work of the Spirit, and, of course, the work of Jesus Christ. John fifteen sixteen, If you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear much fruit. Now, that is election. God says, I chose you. Now, if we think that people make that decision without God's influence to become a Christ follower, that's not true because he says it right here. You did not choose me. You did not choose to come to me. I am the one that chose you. And, of course, this gets into a very thorny uh, topic that uh, if you've never thought about before, you'll probably have to read a little bit about. Uh, but the it's just one of those mysteries. We talked about the mystery of God's sovereignty and man's will. That man is fully free to do what he wants to do, but God controls everything. And that's a mystery, right? How can that be that that doesn't go together? Well, it's the same thing with the Trinity. We can't understand the Trinity. What we do is we take it by faith. We trust in God, of course, that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and that we we, uh, just need to trust him. And so the idea is that he chose certain people. But at the same time, as we look in the New Testament, it says that everyone should know about the salvation of Jesus Christ. It's offered to everybody. So it's offered to everyone. I believe Jesus Christ died for everyone on the cross. But again, on the other hand, God chose certain people. How do you put that together? Well, you can't put that together. It's the same idea of God's sovereignty and man's will. Every man has that opportunity to come to Jesus Christ. And you can study it, and I encourage you to do that. Uh, but when it comes right down to it, it's one of those things I just give to God. I, I give eternity and hell over to God. I, I can't fathom that. It doesn't make sense, and make sense to me. But I know it's true because God said it, and therefore I accept it. There are things in the Bible that just can't get our arms around. We just have to trust God because He is a perfect God and He is a good God. So we are chosen. And that's what we celebrate. In 1 Peter 1.3, another incredible verse just full of doctrinal jewels. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What He's going to do over the next... Verses is he's going to tell us about our identity in Christ and why our lives go the way we do, and why we should how we should we should understand our lives. But first he starts out with worship because it's so amazing, it's so amazing that God has chosen us to be our children. According to his great mercy. Mercy. He's, he's withholding something that we deserve. What a wonderful mercy that was. He caused us to be born again. He caused us to be born again. Remember that time when you turned your life over to Christ? When you repented of your sins and believed that God would forgive you and make you His child without any good works? No trusting in good, not a good works-based righteousness but a grace-based righteousness. Remember that? Yeah. That's when you were born again. I always tell people when I have the opportunity uh, to guide someone to Christ, uh, this is your spiritual birthday. Uh, this is something you got to put down. This is something you've got to remember. Now, some people uh, can't remember. It was in childhood. But if you can remember it, you got to really celebrate it every year and worship God for it every year for what happened in your life and you get two birthday parties too that's <laughs> double the presents can't beat it right uh, born again it's interesting i was reading about the fact that uh, around 2.8 million people die in the united states in recent years per year but uh, there's always clerical errors with the government isn't there yeah. so 100 excuse me 14,000 people who are alive are declared dead They're declared dead. This can be quite problematic if you're uh, (laughs) declared dead. Laura Brooks, 52 years old, a mother of two. Well, she was declared dead, and her disability checks stopped coming. And then her, her checks started to bounce. And she went to the bank, and the bank said, you're dead. That's why your accounts have been shut down. And you said, well, how do I get them opened again? Well, you have to prove to us that you're alive. <laughs> Can you imagine how long would it would take with the Social Security uh, Administration to prove to them that you're alive? You'd have to go to their... I don't know what you would do. <laughs> Some of you have been involved in those uh, government uh, issues that have been very, very frustrating. But friends, the point is that, again, we've talked about the fact that so many people think They're children of God because they went through some class or they were born into a Christian family when they're not. We talk about the walking zombies. Uh, People around us who are zombies, they're dead spiritually. And I wish we could see them as zombies because we'd be a lot more concerned. There's something wrong with that person. But people look the same. Nothing wrong with them, but there is something wrong with them. They don't know Jesus Christ. And therefore, we need to get the good news out to them. We need to tell them there's a chance to be born again, just as Nicodemus was in chapter 3 of John where Jesus Christ told him he was born again. And then to a living hope. A living hope. And that's what this series is all about. It's about hope in the midst of suffering. It's about hope in the midst of day-to-day life. People say, well, I hope that my team wins, or I hope I'll get that scholarship. That's not the kind of hope we're talking about here. We're not talking about lucky hope. We're talking about Jesus Christ as the living hope, as the foundation of everything that has happened to us and will happen to us. I believe that in this verse, Peter is comparing... Uh, Judaism's dead hope to Christianity's living hope. Again, the Jude, uh, Jews did not accept Jesus Christ as their personal set Lord and Savior. They rejected Him, and therefore, they were hopeless. But he's saying, you have hope. You have hope, and you can believe in this hope. And friends, it's, it's one of the most beautiful gifts that we have in life, is the hope that we have in Christ, because... This world that we live in, we never know what's going to happen, what trial is going to come our way, but we always know that we have a living hope in Jesus Christ, that He's there and that He is going to deliver us in so many different ways. And of course, that living hope delivers the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's talking about the power of the resurrection there, that we have access to that, the same power that brought Jesus Christ back to life is available to us in all the things that we face in life. So again, a great identity verse. This is a verse that you should take home and meditate upon and think about yourself. I, Dan Harrison, have experienced a great mercy from God. a God transformed me to be he transformed me and I'm born again spiritually dead and now I'm born again I'm, I'm spiritually alive and, and I have this living hope that can I, I can walk with on a daily basis and I have the resurrection of Jesus Christ at my side. see those are the verses we just need to continue to remind ourselves that we're kingdom citizens and not citizens of this world, not exile or exiles we are elect exiles in this world. First Peter 1:4. To inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Maybe you've received an inheritance in your life, and you've been blessed uh, by that. Well, I tell you what, as we've said many times before, when we read this verse, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, okay, that's great, I get an inheritance, but i got to get back to living my life. No, no, this inheritance you need to be thinking about regularly, because this life is not the end game, right? It's just a test. And tests are many times painful. <laughs> they be uh, academic tests or uh, physical tests. Uh, this is just a, bit a test. Our life on this earth. And we, we so often get it confused. We think it's the main game and that we've got to get everything out of it. But the way a Christ follower views this life is that this is a test before I get home. I'm going home, but I have to go through this test. So therefore, we're less surprised when bad things happen to us, when circumstances come our way that depress us. We just need to expect it. That's the way God designed it. And it says uh, that it's kept in heaven for you. And it goes on. first Peter 5 who by God's power are being gar- uh, power are being guarded through faith for his salvation ready to be revealed in the last time you see that's the process of salvation right salvation the end game is when we stand before Jesus Christ and he again lets us enter into his eternity so that's looking forward that's looking forward to the final aspect of of salvation. Uh, but this inheritance. Uh, is guarded by God. It's interesting isn't it? Why, why, why does he have to say that? I assume if God has it it's good. <laughs> I'm not thinking anything is going to happen to it. But he emphasizes this. Who's, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation. Ready to be revealed in the last time. And notice our inheritance is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Three negative modifiers saying that nothing is going to happen to your inheritance. God is guarding your inheritance. That's how important it is. And again, we don't know what our inheritance is going to be like, but we need to start dreaming of what that inheritance might be like. We need to keep our eyes on our inheritance. We need to keep our eyes on the fact that we're citizens of the kingdom. Now here's another verse that's very powerful and very puzzling sometimes. First Peter one six. In this you rejoice. What's that? Well all the different things we just talked about, right? Uh, great mercy, living joy, the resurrection, power of God. These are things that we need to be thinking on a daily basis in order to stay centered in God. Uh, My page keeps flipping back. (laughs) All right, and as you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Now, I look at that and say, if necessary, well, who's saying that? (laughs) If necessary, I don't need any trials. Who determines if it's necessary that problems come into my life? Well, God does. God allows problems into your life. Because the goal of this life is to build a strong, mature faith. That's what God is doing. And we're down here on earth and we can enjoy a lot of things. But the bottom line is he's going to bring tests along for us to prove our faith. It says, a little while. Well, that's a, that's a context. You now, How long do these trials last? Well, I guess it's all relative. If you're going to live for eternity, you might have a chronic problem all your life. But God allowed that to happen into your, happen to you in order that your faith might be made strong. And that's a great truth and very difficult to get your arms around, especially if you're suffering. But he teaches you things that he teaches nobody else. Through those type of situations, uh, so it goes. If you, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while it is necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. You've been grieved by various trials. You've been distressed by various trials. Have you been distressed lately about a various trial in your life? Various, uh, in the Greek, is pokalakos. Uh, and it means polka dotted. The idea is, is that we have all different types of problems come our way. Isn't it amazing that things happen to us that we never dreamed would happen to us? <laughs> in fact, this past week uh, in the church here, uh, we had some toilets uh, that uh, were being recalled—the uh, pressure system for the toilet—and a toilet actually exploded in the women's bathroom. I mean, it exploded. I mean, the ba- a part of the came off, and uh, there was shrapnel in the wall. Can you imagine that? Shrapnel in the wall. Now, praise God, nobody was sitting on it. Oh, my. (laughs) I'm I'm serious. Praise God that that happened in the middle of the week and not on Wednesday night or or Sunday or a time when other people might have been in here and might be using uh, that toilet. God protected us from that. Well, friends, isn't that a strange thing? I mean, who would ever think about that? You're sitting on the toilet thinking, is this thing going to explode? No, you're not thinking about that. all right. The point is is that every problem is so unique. The problems that come into your life are different from the problems that come into my life. But again, they're hand-designed by God in order to grow you. Look at First 1 Peter 1, 1.7. So the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So why does he allow these tests to come our way? For the the, uh, genuineness of your faith. Hope is the one thing that God wants, or excuse me, faith is the one thing that God wants for us more than anything else. He wants to grow our faith. And the best way to grow our faith is to take us through problems, take us through trials. What happens then, again, it's compared several times in Scripture uh, to how they heat gold up to high temperatures. uh, So the impurities of the gold will rise to the top, the dross, and then they might be removed. So the gold might be pure. So every time you're going through a trial, you're getting heated up in order that you might remove the impurities from your faith. We, we put faith in a lot of different things. We put faith in people. We put faith in our bank account. We put faith in a career. We put faith in our health. And again, sometimes God removes those things in order to remove that impurity in our life. Now, I know it's a hard teaching, but it's something you really need to think about. So, I mean, the problem is, is that we go into this life thinking, God is going to make my life better. Well, not necessarily. God is not out, again, to make your life wonderful. Uh, he gives you many blessings. But his main goal is that your faith would grow, that you would be desperate for God, that you couldn't go a day without trusting in God. Because you know that He might put you into a trial, but He's going to give you the wisdom and the guidance to hopefully eventually get you out of that trial. And He has that grace that's new every day, that compassion that He wants to give you. And you see, that, that, that's the identity of a Christ follower. That's why it's a totally different view on life. So as we get up every morning and bad things happen, We certainly can become frustrated, but ultimately, it turns us to prayer. It turns us to trusting in God and say, Lord, I know you put this in my life, and it's so painful. But Lord, I know you're developing my faith, and I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to put my faith in you, and you're going to prove yourself over and over again and how you come through and how you take care of me. So that's, that's the way we wake up every day. We trust in God. No matter what happens, of course, He is going to be there. And that if it's a uh, tough situation, that we are going to be able to develop our faith. That's an Asian thing. That's why you're here, to become more like Jesus. And the key thing is your faith. How much trust do you put in God? If you don't put a lot of trust in God, uh, there will be other trials that come your way. They'll force you closer to him. And that doesn't ring well with us, but the more you believe it, the more you think about it, the more you experience it, the more you realize that it is the truth. And I certainly have experienced it in my life. Uh, Tony Dungy, many of you know, he is, of course, the football coach of the Indianapolis Coats, a former football coach. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts, and uh, he grew up in a Christian home in Detroit, and his mom taught Sunday school, and Tony was there every Sunday and he developed a vital and enriching spiritual life there, a foundation. And then he went on uh, to uh, go to NFL teams and he'd meet Christians there and he would grow more and more and more. and uh, again, a lot of people said that Tony was too nice. <laughs> to be a coach in the NFL. He well, proved them wrong. He went through a lot of tough times. He was fired several different times. That, of course, is a painful trial that some of us go through. And then, I uh, think about back in 2005, his son, James, who was 18, committed suicide in a Tampa Bay hotel. It's like Rick Warren, Kay Warren. Their son committed suicide. And that's a parent's worst nightmare. That could happen to their children. That their children would make that choice. What Tony Dungy said was, you know, as I look on it, of course, it was a terrible experience. But God grew me through that trial. God grew me through that trial. A lot of you could get up here and testify about very, very painful times in your life. You can say, yeah, it was all you think it was. (laughs) It just overcame me, overwhelmed me. Uh, But I tell you what, God taught me things in that moment that I never would have learned. He tested my faith. And hopefully, your faith grew. Because you can have tests and not trust in God, and therefore it doesn't do any good. (laughs) If you're going to have a test, use it to trust God more, right? Because that's what He wants you to do. Never waste that type of pain. So the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that's what God God values most in you, is your faith. That's what He's doing here on earth. He's putting you through tests in order to strengthen that faith may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Again, one of the problems we have that always gets us in trouble is we think this life is all about us. It's all about me. It's all about my needs and my goals and my wishes and my desire to stay away from pain. But when Jesus Christ has chosen you and saved you from an eternity in hell, you belong to Him. You belong to Him. What could be worse than that, huh? He saved you from that. And now you're going to be selfish and live life the way that you want to live and just say, you know, I'll get serious about my Christian life uh, in the future. No, 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 no. Jesus Christ gave His life in order that all of us who are Christ followers might be with Him for eternity. And no matter what disappointments we face in this life, how painful they might be, nothing is worse than eternity without Jesus. And friends, that's why we're so passionate about telling other people about Jesus Christ. I'm putting a sign out here. I think we're about $11,000 uh, so far. We're working toward fifteen. Uh, We're putting a sign out there because we want people to know they have a home here. They they can come in, and we'll welcome them, and and we'll build relationships uh, with them. They'll see that we're a church that is alive, not just a big warehouse sitting on a field. (laughs) Right? That's why we do it. And then you say, well, if everybody's chosen, why do evangelism? A lot of churches believe that. They believe this, and they say, well, there's no reason to evangelism because God's going to make it happen anyway. No, no, no. You've got to realize that the Bible also says that we should go into all nations and preach the gospel. Everybody needs to hear. Again, it's a mystery, but we're very passionate about passing this on to people. I, I don't know how people go through life without Jesus. I know, of course, the majority of people do it. I mean, just imagine, you know, you lose a loved one. Where do you go with that? Or a painful trial comes into your life. Well, you know why you have that painful trial in your life because God is growing your faith and He's going to show Himself to you in a way that you have never seen if you continue to put your trust in Him. Or when a person is in the hospital, a person who's not a Christ follower, what do they do? When they have other concerns and, and diseases, what do they do? Friends, that's why it's so important that we commit ourselves to getting the good news out. And I want to thank all of you uh, that you're here today. I want to thank you if you're part of Springbrook, uh, that you give to this church in order uh, to keep our ministry going, to get the gospel out, that you give your time and talents as well. Because it's so important. It's the most important thing in life is to, to bring other people. Oh, with us, right? Uh, to heaven. It's so wonderful to be chosen. Let me just quickly summarize this. This is your identity in Christ. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read these, and I want you to cheer, okay? Because that's how, that's we need to be excited about this. Uh, football's over, so what do we have to cheer about, right? <laughs> All right, so after I say it, I just want you to cheer, okay? And we will go to the next one. Uh, or You know what? I think we'll say it together, and we'll say I. I am chosen by God. Okay? So let's do that. I am chosen by God. Amen. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. I, read it with me, am in the process of being saved, sanctified by the Spirit. Thank I have new life. Thank you. Lord. Glory to Him. He is your living uh, well. <laughs> hope. He is your living hope. Amen? Amen. All right? He will give you an inheritance in heaven. Let's celebrate that. He allows trials to refine your faith. Let's celebrate that. Uh, That was kind of weak. I know it's a hard one to cheer for, but let's try one more time, okay? He allows trials to refine your faith. Yes, thank you, Lord. Thank you for my trials. Can you do that today? Can you thank God for the trial in your life, for the thing that is causing you pain and irritation and messing everything up? Can you thank God for that? You can. And it doesn't minimize the pain at all or the suffering. You're still going to suffer and hurt. But you can thank God for that trial because He is doing what He intended to do with you when He saved you, when He chose you, to make you more like Jesus, to increase your faith. And finally, I am incredibly loved and special to God. Now let's go to the next slide. All right. That is the last slide. <laughs> you know, friends, uh, a new year, 2015, and my passion for you as a pastor is to more deeply understand these things. Because it takes a while. I've thrown a lot at you this morning. <laughs> it takes a while. But for you to live it out day by day, and the primary way, That we grow is through Bible study, prayer, and fellowshipping with other Christians. And I want to encourage you, those who, for whatever reason, have chosen not to engage in Springbrook beyond the worship service, to step into our family. If you just come on Sunday mornings, you might see a few people you know, but it's not what church is about. about. Church is about doing life together. Church is about being in small groups. We're all about small groups. Springbrook, if you come to Springbrook, you're involved in our service, and we ask our members and everybody else to be involved in small groups because that's where life change really happens. That's where the rubber uh, meets the road. Uh, So I really would encourage you, if you've never been involved in a small group, you've had fears about small groups, (laughs) you talk to Rich, you talk to me, uh, talk to others, and find a small group to be involved in because that can really, again, Keep you kingdom-minded. And really, that's what Christianity is all about. We've got to keep kingdom-minded every day because the worldly mindset is so prominent. And, of course, we have the Women's Retreat and the Men's Retreat. Uh, We have all different kinds of opportunities in order to rub shoulders with other Christ followers. And if that piece is missing from your life, you are going to miss about 60%. Of the Christian experience. A lot. Let's put it that way. Okay? So it's time to engage. It's time to engage in small groups. It's time to engage in service. It's time to engage in getting to know other Christ followers. Who can encourage you when you're going through those trials. And they can remind you. That God is doing a very unique work. In you. In order that you might be presented. At the end as someone who has a a strong faith in God. We could have our elders come forward at this time. uh, We would love to pray for you. And uh, this is Elder Prayer Sunday. And so whatever your need uh, might be, come forward. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you. Oh, this, (laughs) that was fun. (laughs) This passage, oh, is just so rich. It's such a rich, I pray that my friends would go home I pray that my friends would uh, read this passage again today. Maybe write out all of the things they are in Christ and why we have trials and, you know, that heaven is our home, that this is just a test that we're going through. When we really get our eyes around the truth, it makes life so much easier. Because usually we're struggling because we, we don't like trials. But if we can embrace them, And trust in you. You're going to change our lives. In Christ's name, amen. Have a great day.